0: learn more of you pray your blessing may we remember and bring bring to remembrance pray that the holy spirit you would bring to remembrance these things as we go on from here that we would uh, go with your grace so open up your word again as we look into it we thank you for what we've seen so far in jesus name amen well, it has been um, a blessing so far. I just, I want to look today at um, what I'm calling the mission of relationship. A couple months ago at a brother's meeting, it was brought up <clears throat> that we need teaching on relationship, and I was thinking about that this week and thought, you know what, I need a um, couple things. I don't feel like I had the time to bring it together the way that it needs to be. And I don't, I'm don't. i not an authority on this. But you know what? We know someone just like we were studying in Sunday school who is. God is the authority. And what we can learn um, from him um, by walking with his spirit, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, that's the spirit of God, and <clears throat> talking about our view of the of who God is, we in our flesh go the wrong wrong place often we We were in Sunday school talking about how can Jesus be I think one of the questions in the youth quarterly was. How can Jesus be the son of God and the, our advocate is basically what he was saying, how can, and not have a conflict of interest? You know, in a court of law in our land, um, if, you, if they deem that there's a conflict of interest, then that judge cannot sit on that case or that attorney cannot sit on that case. Christ is able um, we look on it as a conflict of interest. I think that's the thing that challenged me, is we look on it as a conflict of interest because of our view of who God is and judging and, and um, how can he be my advocate? How can I come before him without shame? Um, but to God, there's no conflict of interest there. It's us misunderstanding his character and who he is. And his desire, his ultimate purpose, is that all men would be saved. God's desire is for all men to be a part of his family, to be his children. (laughs) So really it comes back to us um, needing our views of God challenged, and we need a better understanding of who God is. But in what Bradlin read about faith, he said, you know what, that fits into some of this too, our challenge on faith. And um, I'm blessed by all of you that took part so far. And I want to encourage you in that. I wonder how, you know, as you teach classes, and we are learning together. And as you take responsibility, you learn more. And you dig in more. It's um, But in thinking about relationship, how big is my world? Who's my, I guess it goes back to who's my neighbor? You know, who do I care about? Do I know about? Are they a part of my worldview, the body of Christ, in places that I've never been, that I've never seen? Are they a part of my, how big is my community? Uh, On the news this week was, um, there are five Christians in North Korea detained, and they may face the death penalty after security forces raided a secret church service. Is my worldview big enough that I consider them my brothers and my sisters in North Korea and their suffering? Am I praying for them? Pray for those who are in bonds. Um, One in three countries persecute Christians. Do I, is that a part of my week, you know, as I go about my life, that I think about praying for my brothers and sisters around the world? Um. Another thing on the news, NASA is planning to have oxygen and water resources on the moon by 2032. I'm thinking, why? But that's part of their worldview, I guess. Somehow that is, um, I'm not even sure, I'm not sure where to put that. But that's exploring space. That's moving to the next level. You know, that's, we got to keep pushing what is moving to the next level for me, you know, for us? The men that died in the um, submersible, they felt like they're pushing the limits, right? They're going to the next level. So as we put that into the spiritual world, my walk with God, my, my walk with each of you, in relationship with you, in relationship with God, what is pushing to the next level? What does that look like? I think that God has put that in all of us, and that's why people do these things. That's why they do what they do. Um, it's part of God's nature to keep pressing on. And so as we think about um, mission and relationships, I, what is my mission? What am I called to as it relates to you? What are you called to as it relates to me and to each other and before God? I read a devotional this week that um, kind of fits in with this. I, when I, was a, I don't remember what grade I was in, but I did a science fair project on ants. And I took this big poster and I did a collar drawing of an ant colony. And I just thought this was so cool. You know, I was so excited about ants. And this devotional that I read talks about ants. <clears throat> Philippians 2.2, 2, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind. If you look at the ant, you will find that they dwell in colonies. Each colony consists of approximately sixty to 90,000 ants. So that's um, more than the population of people in Cheyenne. There's more ants in one of these colonies than there are people in Cheyenne. They really can't prosper on their own. They need each other. How does a colony of that many ants work together? The only reason it works is that they operate in unity. Each ant shares the same purpose, the same goal, the same aim. Just as ants can't prosper on their own, neither can we as believers. As ants need each other, so do God's children. We need to dwell together as they do. The way we dwell together is by sharing the same purpose. We don't have to agree on when the tribulation or rapture is going to happen. Those are secondary things. But we do have to be intent on the same purpose. And I want to look at that today a little bit. Um, Here he brings in, You know, we can sit around and argue about when the tribulation is going to happen and when the rapture is going to happen and things like that can divide people, right? He's saying we need to come together on the same purpose. So what is the same purpose? To glorify God and spread his word, to love God and each other. Those are kind of basics. Let's aim to accomplish the task that God has set before us, and God will be faithful to bless our colony. Don't let the ants put God's people to shame. Stay encouraged and focused on the ultimate goal. Do I know what the ultimate goal is? That stood out to me as we were discussing our view of God and why we think there's a conflict of interest there. Because if I don't understand the ultimate goal, then I will get involved in conflict. As in relationships... I will get distracted by secondary things. It happens all the time, right? Maybe we don't even know it. But what is the ultimate goal? I want to talk about some of those things today so that we recognize what are secondary issues. What is the purpose of relationships? Why bother? I've been asking this question. And also, will I make it to the end goal? I can start and get all excited about something, and then I don't finish it. That happens a lot in life, doesn't it? We get excited about something, but then we don't finish. Why don't we finish? We've lost sight of the ultimate goal. Maybe we've got involved in a secondary thing, and it's good that we didn't finish it. I'd like to write three words up here and think about where these, the different categories, what they are purpose, mission, and vision. I looked up a talk on this, um, some of the youth were talking about it and then we ended up watching it at Saturday night a week ago. Was that Saturday night? These are the words he used. Now we can use different words, but in this case, um, purpose is the ultimate original reason for the creation of a thing. The ultimate original reason for the creation of this pen was so that I could write on this whiteboard. right? This wasn't created to go change my tire. So as we think of what is the ultimate original reason for you and me? Why did God create us? The mission is a general assignment to fulfill that purpose. And the vision is a unique, customized, distinctive picture of the project. So The man that we listened to talk about this, he put it in the terms of building a house. Why would I build a house? What's the ultimate original purpose of a house? So if I am out on the street, I have no place to go, and I know winter's coming, what's the ultimate purpose of a house? Well, I know that if you've been in Cheyenne very long, you know that winter's coming and the winds are coming. We need shelter. And then the mission is <clears throat> so I need shelter I'm going to I'm either going to build a house or I'm going to rent a house or an apartment And I think I have gotten I have spent a lot of time in life thinking about this Maybe forgetting this and never making it to this in the spiritual sense. The vision, and you can use different words for this, but the vision is what kind of house, apartment fits my budget and fits my needs. If I'm in a wheelchair, I need something that's accessible to a wheelchair. If I can walk, I can go up steps. You know, and so our needs are going to vary. And I wonder, you know, what. So when you think of a house, you got budget and you got needs. And I think in bringing this back to relationships, sometimes we get hung up on the kind of house someone else is living in, what God has called them specifically to do. And we start arguing about this stuff. None of us here, except unless we're in the same family, live in identical houses, right? We have made different decisions based on budget and needs. Maybe we wish we had different decisions, different outcomes, right? Sometimes we wish we didn't. If we go back to the purpose, of shelter, there might be some things that I want here that I can give up when I remember what the ultimate purpose and the mission is. So think about in relationships. Are there some things that I'm losing vision of, I'm losing understanding, or maybe I never had the understanding of the purpose and so i am ending up at the wrong place because i'm not keeping that in view i was reading in ephesians 4 and realized that for ephesians 4 to make sense and for me to make proper decisions on relationships i need ephesians 1 2 and 3 right and <laughs> then you realize, you know what, I'm not ready for this message. But maybe this will grow into going back and starting there, laying a foundation. Because um, Ephesians was not written to address a particular problem in a particular church. <clears throat> it was to explain the great themes and doctrines of Christianity. Christianity. It has been called the Queen of Epistles. There is no greater epistle. Whoever, Spurgeon said, whoever would see Christianity in one treatise, let him read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the epistle to the Ephesians. It includes the great themes of God's work in the community of believers. By contrast, Romans focuses more on God's work in the individual believer. And Ephesians is working on the community of believers. And that's why, you know, I I look at that and I think, well, that's why I turned to Ephesians 4. There's some good discussion in there. But do I really understand? And as I read the book of Ephesians, I'm like, what do these words mean? What does this look like? You know, so we can read of the purpose and we get an idea of the mission. But then we have to work it out. What does that mean for us here in Cheyenne today? Um, One thing to remember, this book is... I'm doing a little introduction. I think I want to come back to this. I'd like to um, at a later date. But these great themes of Scripture, the great doctrines of God, and we're talking about we need to understand God more so we understand his purpose for us and his purposes in the world and how can this all work out. Paul wrote this letter from prison, this glorious picture of the body of Christ and he's in chains. Why do relationships matter? I'd like to read a verse in 1 John 4.20. Why do relationships matter? If someone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. There's another verse in 1 John here. I didn't look it up, and I don't remember where it is, but it's, it always kind of caught my attention that he puts how we relate to each other first, I would think, our relationship to God comes first, right? But he's saying, if you don't love your brother, you can't say that you love God. Um, So why do relationships matter? It's because God, it's because of what our purpose is. Why did God create us? What is his Ottoman goal? And I'd like to put some things on the board here. Um... Let's just start over here with purpose. I know we've talked about this, but maybe we can expand it a little more. Why, why are we here? What's, what's our purpose? And I don't, I don't think it hurts to visit this multiple times until we really, it becomes a part of the our understanding of God and why we're here and how we make decisions moving forward. So I'm looking for thoughts. Okay So anything I do from here has to fit under that one. Okay. Bring glory to God. Uh, magnify the Lord. That was in one of the songs that we sang this morning. Magnify. <clears throat> draw, men Christ. draw men to Christ, okay. Is that under mission? So I can bring glory to God. I don't know, I'm asking. It's one of these. Our ultimate purpose, we're created for was to magnify God since the fall. We have a mission, right? I don't know. I'm leaning toward here um, to draw men to, to Christ. But I'm willing to be... Right. We glorify God by lifting Him up before man, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Right, because then if we say draw men to Christ, evangelize, and then we need to get down to details. Well, how am I going to do that this week? You know, how am I going to do that this afternoon? And that's our vision. How I see what that looks like. So. We know what each other's houses look like. We've seen them. That's our vision. Uh, An architect, I have a customer right now that we want to do a bathroom remodel. So they're saying, I need something that works better for us. I'm going to get my master suite remodeled. And then I draw up pictures for them to see if I understood their vision. right? And then she says, well, I'm very I can't think of the word I want, very visual. And I said, Yeah, well, I'll come out, I'll put tape on the floor, we'll, you know, try to make it as visual as you can before you start the process. That's vision. We want to try and, our mission is to remodel that area. And they have a vision in their mind. And I'm not the one that's going to use it. So I try to get their vision, right? And so then we, we try to pass our vision on to people. Let's build this together. Let's do this. And so then there's a lot of communication back and forth that needs to happen. Am I willing to put that kind of work in? You know, I'm thinking about as a body. This takes time. And sometimes I say, you know what? Um, I need to get this done so that I can get paid for this job and move on to the next one, right? I just want to move on. Now, wait a minute, but what if I build the wrong thing, and then the customer doesn't want to pay me? You know, so we can get, if we don't spend the time here, we might have to go back and redo it, right? And so it's important to work on this. And this is, this is often where the hard work is. We can talk about this all day long. We can sing about it. And yes, we will. Evangelize. May I use that word? Because I'm not quite sure where to put the draw men to God one. Because that's kind <clears> of, <throat> but this isn't very specific yet. Um, <clears throat> but that's the vision. I'm going to put one here. I'm not sure we sang it this morning. Stand complete before the throne. That, I don't know if that's a purpose we were created for. We were created to be in relationship with God, right? But my mission, I have to keep this in mind, whether it's here or here. That also has to be overriding and fit. My vision has to fit underneath that. How about this one? I like that verse. We get the picture in, the, in Genesis I don't think I wrote it down here, but it's in chapter 2 or 3 where after Adam and Eve had sinned, God came looking for them when? In the cool of the day. And you get this picture that God would come and walk with them, right? We're created for relationship with God. My mission involves being in relationship with God. I'm just going to say being, for now, with God. Run out of space. And then, how does that work out? What's my vision for how that happens? Oh. I'd like to read a few verses. In thinking about mission, in Ephesians 4, there's a few verses. <clears throat> and I'll just read this first section. Verses 1 through probably about 16. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you, So he says, therefore, that's why we have to know what's in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, because then Paul makes this conclusion, and he says, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. So we have a calling, a mission that we're on, and Paul says, I implore you, to walk worthy. Now, walk worthy should probably be over here because how am I going to do that? And that's what goes over here. With all humility, let's keep this open, humility, gentleness, Patience, tolerance, forbearance, whatever, for one another. When have I tolerated someone else's poor behavior for their sake? Right? So often it's about me. He says tolerance in love. Love is about the other person. When have I done something that I don't get anything out of it? But I did it for their sake. That's in love. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That's another thing that how to work this out, how to walk worthy, is to be diligent about unity in the spirit. And we can have a discussion. What does that look like? What does unity in the spirit look like? Am I concerned about unity? In, I can be concerned about unity in all kinds of other things. There's unity in the spirit. Unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. What brings peace? Is that my question? Or am I concerned about What keeps me from looking foolish? You know, what keeps me from needing to walk in humility? There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in you all. I need to keep that in my vision. But to each of us, each one of us is... Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended up on high, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. And I think those there, our mission includes Christ's mission. here he said his mission is the equipping of the saints, The work of service. So that his vision is a finished house, right? The body of Christ is built up and finished. So do I come? Do I come here for what I get out of it? Or am I coming here to help Christ finish his body and bring it to completion? Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That's the vision <clears throat> that Christ has. He sees a complete man standing before the throne. <clears throat> As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects. So, part of this over here is speak truth in love. The mission is growing up. Into him who is the head, even Christ. And you think that brings glory to God when we are a complete man in Christ. Now, can I be a complete man in Christ? The picture that they're showing here, that they're talking about, apart from you all. He's talking about the whole body being fit together, growing up together. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building of it up of itself in love. So we each are one of these joints, one of these parts, and we just see our little corner over here, but it's so that All this is done so that we grow up in Christ together. What are some of the things that you think of other things that are mission that are part of our mission? That is part of being growing up in Christ, part of becoming that full stature of Christ and maturing Christ? What do I need? Where do I need to be in my life? Something that maybe, you know, doesn't have all the details worked out yet, but... <coughs> be loving one another. Okay. yeah cuz we could say loving one another and then we have to go say well what does that look like you know how's that how's that work out okay it's a good one yep and we say how i love my neighbor shows how i love god ouch <laughs> you know that can be that can be convicting especially when the little neighbor boy comes over and is a bit of a challenge you know how i love my neighbor i actually my mind went there how i love my neighbor as i was talking to him at the front door and um, respecting him um, Reveals what I think about God and how I love God. I'm thinking of a big one yet. Um, Well, I guess it fits under that one being with God. We are to live in God's presence. We are to be full of the Holy Spirit. So if I look on that as my mission is to be full of the Holy Spirit, it's a process to learn, okay? There's things to get rid of. There's things to do. But if I go back here, those that follow, walk by the spirit, they are the sons of God, right? So that's a biggie. That's a big one. Am I listening to the spirit? Do I see myself as a dwelling place? All through scripture, God is looking for a dwelling place. Am I a dwelling place for God's spirit? I mean, that kind of fits in here. But the terms in Scripture are dwelling place. In the Old Testament, it was a temple. It was a tabernacle. In the New Testament, it says it's you and me. All right? The Spirit of God dwells within us. Um, so my mission is to obey that Spirit. My mission is to listen to that Spirit. My mission is to get rid of all the things. That's part of the vision. That looks like obeying. Um, listening to, getting rid of the things that hinder the spirit. But if I forget that that's my mission and it doesn't feel good to do the thing that he's telling me to do, I might get off track. I will get off track. So we need to come back to, what's my mission Yeah, I thought of that one. I think it would be because how does that get fleshed out then? What is what does it look like to grow in the knowledge of God? Right. And it's it mentions it as a separate thing. Yeah. You know, in our lesson today in Hebrews, it says to come boldly before the throne of God, right? What's it look like to grow in the knowledge of God or the knowledge of Christ? I don't know. But he says to come boldly and say, Show me. You think God's big enough to show you how to do that? Yeah, I believe he is. Um, Bradlin read a chapter about faith, right? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I had to think of that as he was was reading that. Do you think of faith as a mission? I am called to walk in faith. And as you read that chapter, it's listing all the ways, you know, what they saw and how they lived it out. Right? And it was different. It was different. But the mission is faith. We all share that. And so, in bringing this back in the context of relationship, if I see faith in art, but it looks different than what God's working it out in me, I don't need to argue with art and say, Art, you need to be doing it just like me. Let's rejoice that He's on the mission, right? Or Ryan, or Jared, or, you know, this is where I see it relating to. Our relationships is let's remember what the mission is and if that is on track let's not spend our time arguing about this because some I might say that guy is not very humble by what he did right but God knows his heart maybe in faith he was living out what God had called him to do and I misunderstood what's happening or equipping of the saints. Well, that guy's really gone about that in a stupid way. Well, yeah, until we all come, you know, we, there's room for growth in all of us. But what's his motive? Is his motive equipping the saints? <clears throat> Is he walking by the Holy Spirit? So why did, why did he just wander off over there and... He's just acting kind of strangely, you know? What if he's obeying the Holy Spirit and that God is taking him into something that we don't understand? We can rejoice... Our mission, another one that we could add here. Think of a verse in Scripture where it talks about a parent, a pastor, a leader can rejoice. I think it was Paul that said, I can rejoice when I see that my children are walking in truth. Now, I might get hung up on what that looks like in their life. But if they're walking in truth, the people in your life, if they're walking in truth, will you rejoice with them? This is the mission. Do I desire God's purpose? What mission am I on? What am I living for? And have I worked it out? There's a verse in Ephesians 4 that I think deals with that. Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. This can also, I know I have faith written here, but faith can also be looked at as the practical outworking of a belief, right? We see that in James, I think. Um, Till we all come to unity of the faith. Till we all come to a place where we are living out what we say we believe. So if we say, I am on this mission, but I'm not taking the steps. And you, you see me, you say, this doesn't make sense. What you're doing doesn't fit this. And maybe I can say, oh, but it does. And I can explain it. But you know what? I think so many times we deceive ourselves. And maybe what I'm actually not doing is so easy to talk. And it's so hard to do. And that's where it says, speaking the truth in love. We go to each other and say, okay, you're saying all the right things. But I don't see this happening. And it's only when we do that with each other, that's the hard part, right? Speaking the truth in love. That we grow up in Christ And we bring glory to God, and we can stand complete before the throne. That is our challenge, is to be willing to be vulnerable, to, like, in Sunday school class, say, I don't know if I'm right, but I'm thinking this thing. And Alex told me, just go ahead and say it, and we'll tell you whether you're right or not. Am I willing to do that as a group? Are we willing to say, to have that attitude that, you know, you don't have to say it all the time, but as we, as we are relating back and forth that I might be wrong and I'm willing to hear my brother. That's a part, I think, over here, part of our vision in working this out is, I'm not thinking the word I want right now, um, but am I willing to hear my brother? It's that idea. Um, teachableness. Um, it'll come, but... Am I teachable? Am I willing to hear? That's a part of the vision that I need to walk out, that I have not always been good about, and I think that's probably a challenge for most of us because we see it the way we see it, and this is the way it is, right? And none of us see everything. Only God sees everything. The Holy Spirit sees everything. None of us do, and we need a, that's part of humility is recognizing that, that none of us sees everything, and I interpret your actions differently than you meant them to be. Okay? I think that's walking in humility, to recognize that my interpretations are not the gospel truth. I need to be asking questions. And so that's where this community, they're working together, until we, why, why do we put up with that? Because we know that we're on a mission to grow up in Christ so that the purpose of bringing glory to God is met. What am I living for? Am I responding to the call of God in my life? <clears throat> the Holy Spirit, he has been called the hound of heaven. What's a hound do? He tracks down that animal and doesn't lose the trail. And just Do you think you can lose the Holy Spirit? Just by running and doing all kinds of stuff? No. I mean, we say no, but yet we try to do it. Or am I just reacting? Am I living on purpose, on God's purpose, or am I just reacting to what happens around me and to me? Am I just reacting to those around me that irk me and rub me the wrong way? Am I running as far as I can from them? Am I motivated by purpose, mission, And the vision that I have worked out, that God has worked out, helped me work out. Or am I running from what hurt me? Am I racing forward with a windshield painted black, looking for direction using the rearview mirror? I remember um, Denny used that picture years ago, and I never forgot it. When we're living in reaction to something, it's like we are racing 100 miles ahead with our windshield painted black, and we're trying to get direction by looking in the rearview mirror. It doesn't work. We all look at it and say, hey, that guy's crazy. You're going to hit something. You can't see the curve coming. There might be a big truck in the way. This is also a plea to don't live in reaction. Have a clear windshield. Know what the purpose is, what the mission is. And yes, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be struggles. But why am I here? And keep working that out with a clear vision. And that takes work. I mean, I was just thinking about this week, is it takes time to be with God, to clarify vision. Um, As we get older, we can kind of lose sight of some of this and get off track a little bit. And it's hard to get back. I was talking to someone this week who has a big business. And he said, I'm trying to scale back. I'm trying to sell this part of my business. I'm trying to. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, we get to this stage of life and realize there's a lot of things that are filling our time that maybe are getting us off of mission and it doesn't fit our vision. You young guys, you're just like, I got a vision. I know where I'm going. This is going to be great. At some point in life, you're going to face the same thing. It's like, I need some redirection. I need to cut off the things that have muddied the waters, so to speak. Um, Remember the shopping. If you don't have a recipe in mind, anything will do, right? And it will be the things that, it'll be the Little Debbie cakes, it'll be the donuts, it'll be the, but if you have a recipe in mind, this is, you know, right now I'm like, Charlotte, just tell me what to eat. I don't want to think about it, but. Just tell me what to eat. You take care of the recipes, you know. But we've got to have a recipe in mind that fits the mission and fits the purpose. What am I going to eat today? <clears throat> you know, we can look at each other and we say, oh, I think you all are doing pretty well with all this, you know. Doesn't look too bad. But what happens in the quiet part times of your mind when you're laying in bed? Or there's no one else at home? How, how are you doing with all this? Or am I, am I spending time in faith seeking to walk with God? Or am I spending my time arguing with others or with God trying to win arguments? How am I spending my time in those quiet moments? <clears throat> I'd like to close with something that I wrote about six years ago, and I would have in um, thinking about a book that was given me um, by a secular organization, so there was not it was not from a Christian perspective, but after Jesse died, I was given this book. And I kind of glanced through it, and I still don't know if my take on it is is right because I never read the whole book. You know, sometimes you get an impression and you lay it down, and then maybe there's a redeeming factor later in the book, you know. But I did, this book I've laid down and I've never picked it back up. But it was called Chasing Daylight, and it was the story of of a man or a boy, I don't remember his age, that got cancer. And they were looking to find something before they died. They're chasing daylight. What does that mean? If you're chasing daylight, you're running from something, right? And I took it to mean you're running from darkness. That's how I felt. I was given a book by this title following my son's death. I started reading it seven years ago, so now that's 13 years ago, but never finished. It is lying in the drawer of my desk, and I still have it. It is probably a book I will take the time to finish sometime, but no guarantees. The title, though, triggered some thoughts over the years. Sometimes I have felt like what I am doing is barely staying ahead of the darkness. One misstep, and I am swallowed by darkness. This cannot be the way. In Christ, I am more than a conqueror. I am not running from darkness, but walking in light. So often, though, dread almost takes over. Life is full of darkness, sin, and death. We are surrounded by the dying. Why do I care? Is it because I dread the darkness or because I love the light? Both are present. Yet my view of the darkness needs to be from a position of walking in God's light. Oh, Lord Jesus, I see that I am walking in the light. I am not chasing the light, trying to stay ahead of the darkness with dread in my soul, knowing that the darkness will swallow me at any moment. This is no longer true. I am changed from darkness into light. I am walking in the light, and I am going to the city of light. So as we think of our mission, I am going to be with the Father. The ultimate purpose of why we were created. I don't see a running here. I can walk in the light of Christ. As a believer, light is something I am. It is not something I hope to catch up to. It is something I have, John 8:12. It is what I now am, Ephesians 5, 8. Some of the fruit of walking in this light as Christ is in the light is fellowship one with another, cleansing from sin by his blood, 1 John 1, 7, and knowing where I am going, John 12, 3, 5. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for making the way open for all men to be translated from the kingdom of darkness into your marvelous light. Key word being into and light. Blessings from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ walk in his light. Here are the verses I base this on. Colossians 1:13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. First Peter 2.9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. John 8.12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John twelve thirty five. then Jesus said unto them, yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. Ephesians 5, 8, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Our vision, our mission, is to be walking in light. Um, Go and walk in light this week.